Hello everybody, this is Tommy and I am here sitting in subbing for Commander Greg Couch uh, for the Teller County Sheriff's Office podcast. Today we're going to be talking about uh, impaired driving and impairment in general and I have in the uh, studio with me Deputy Renee Bunting and Corporal Nicholas Hazlett from the Colorado State Patrol. Corporal Hazlett, thank you for joining us today. Uh, and uh, yeah, so let's uh, let's get into talking about we got uh, St. Patrick's Day coming up, and we so do. there's going to be a lot of people throwing down beers and green who beer. Knows what else? Yeah, yeah. green Corn beer, beer and, cabbage. and cabbage. Yeah, there <laughs> we go. Getting on getting on the road. Hopefully, they won't be doing that. Uh, so why don't we just start out kind of by talking about just the the, the general what you don't want to do uh, with getting drunk where the where the limit is but really whether or not you should be even coming towards the limit there uh before getting on the road right well good morning renee tommy thank you guys for for having us out really appreciate it you're you're you've already nailed it on the head like when when people shouldn't be driving they shouldn't be driving you know regardless of it's alcohol or another substance and you know we can get into that here in a little bit if if you'd like but i think the the big ask and the big takeaway with uh, with what I would ask of the public and what we in law enforcement would ask of the public is just to be honest with yourself, is genuinely be honest with yourself. Don't be overconfident in how many beverages you had and saying, oh, I'm fine. But be honest to yourself and say, I feel different. I really shouldn't be behind the wheel. And then make a better choice by calling somebody that's sober or call a, a ride share or what, what have you. Call Get home safe. We genuinely, we're, we don't want to... To see people get in trouble with this, we really do want to com- keep our community safe. Sure. Now, we're talking about uh, – or you'd mentioned uh, the ride-sharing thing. And, I, of course, St. Patrick's Day is coming up. Can you talk about what's going to be available over St. Patrick's Day and then just generally what's available out there? Historically, we've always had taxis. There's always been a taxi service. I think we're in a, in a different age now with Uber and Lyft and all those things. And I'm not trying to endorse one over another uh, by any means, but – we, we have more capability now uh, at just at our fingertips to order up a ride uh, like Uber or Lyft in, in those questionable situations. If you have to question it, you probably should err on the side of caution. It, depending on where you're at, those, those Uber rides and Lyfts, they're, they're available. And you can see where they're at on the map, like how close is the next one to you. I, I would suggest highly utilizing those things. If that doesn't work, if there's no Ubers out, uh, call a taxi service. Absolutely. And I think that they're so accessible these days that, you know, a lot of times people say, you know, I'll be more than happy to go out uh, and I'll be the the designated driver while everybody else is out having fun. And so I think if you can get in that group and uh, get that ride home safely, um, because that's what everybody wants. They want to get home safely to their family or to the kids in case, you know, you have parents out celebrating or, um, you know, enjoying the holiday. But I think it's really important that people go ahead and make that call before they go out. Make that decision before they start, you know, drinking and, um, you know, having fun. Yeah, that's an old theory of of having a plan. If you don't have a plan, things fail, right? Exactly. But if you set up a plan and if you know you're going to go out and have a a good time and you're going to celebrate St. Patrick's Day and and drink the green beer and have corned beef and and cabbage, (laughs) I mean, yes, if if that's your plan, I think that it would be the wise choice to have a, a plan in place prior to activities happening. Um, get a ride there, get a ride back. Don't worry about leaving the car if you don't have to. 
You know, I think it's funny because a, a lot of times people, um, they assume that uh, the, the officer doesn't know. Um, and the minute they roll down that window, you can smell the alcohol because obviously you haven't been drinking, but you can, you know, they roll the window down and the alcohol just like overwhelms you. Um, and so I know that you are the um, DRE uh so I would want you to kind of elaborate on that, just to like the signs that, you know, um, law enforcement, they, they are trained to recognize, um, just to look for those things. Are they uh, intoxicated or is it something else? Sure. Uh, uh, let me interrupt just here, uh, just real quick, DRE, uh, for everybody who, like me who didn't know before this podcast, drug recognition expert. Correct. Right. So, okay. So uh, the, the, the DRE programmed being a drug recognition expert, it came out, um, the program actually initiated in 1979, uh, and it was initiated by two officers out of LAPD. It's a uh, retired, current, re- currently retired, uh, Sergeant Dick Stuttered, uh, Richard Dick Stuttered out of LAPD, and his partner, uh, Lynn Leeds. Um, Dick Stuttered had just started with LAPD, this is before 79. Um, he and his partner came out of the, the academy, not Lynn Leeds, but a, a different gentleman. Um, they had just started with with the department, and his partner was involved in an on-duty patrol car crash, where he was hit by an impaired driver. They got on scene, and this other driver was clearly impaired, just no smell of alcohol. What what the common drug of abuse at that time was was were barbiturates. Mm-hmm. So he was on what what they commonly referred to it as barbs uh, back then. Um, Dick Stuttered was assigned to essentially the the funeral detail uh, to stay with the family until his partner was buried. And then when he came back, he asked his sergeant, like, you know, hey, are we prosecuting this guy? And he said, no, he wasn't drunk. And that started him down a path. Like, this guy took my partner's life and he literally died in my hands. Uh, And that started him down a path of education of there's other substances. Ethanol and, and alcohol is just one substance that can impair the body. There are thousands, hundreds of thousands of substances um, that are legal and illegal. So he partnered up with Lynn Leeds, and they put themselves through seven different schools, essentially, uh, on each drug of choice at that time. Mm -hmm. And they ended up becoming the seven drug categories. So we have central nervous system depressants, and that's going to be things like alcohol falls in that. Uh, but we have antidepressants, antipsychotics. We have uh, so we have your your minor and your major tranquilizers. Uh, if you guys ever seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, you remember that the Thorazine shuffle where the guy. Yes, yeah. yes, oh, oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that guy would be safe behind the wheel? Oh, Not no. at all, right? Uh-huh. But that's a prescription medication, and that guy's clearly impaired, right? Just for a visual, right there for those of you guys that are listening. So. You have, um, we even have anti-anxiety medications like Xanax, things like that, that people do abuse uh, beyond their, their normal dose. Um, and there's also uh, illicit drugs within that same category of like Rohypnol, GHB, which is gamma-hydroxybutyrate. Those are your date rape drugs um, at very, very low doses of those things. Someone could operate the vehicle and appear under the influence, much like alcohol, just without the odor. Mm-hmm. And then there's, you know, six other categories. There's stimulants, inhalants, hallucinogens, um, dissociative anesthetics, uh, narcotic analgesics, and that's going to be like your heroin, um, your opioid derivatives, so your painkillers, essentially, uh, and all the way up into cannabis as well. So, um, Renee, to kind of come back to your question here in just a minute, because I don't want to forget it as far as what we're, what we're looking 
at or looking for when it comes to an impaired subject. Um, and I don't want to, I just don't want to lose that focus. Um, so to, to finish answering your question, Tommy, is uh, as far as certification processes in, in law enforcement, uh, less than 1% of all law enforcement officers will ever carry the certification of a DRE. It's, uh, it's a, the most extensive training in, in law enforcement, and I think every DRE and people that have been through the program would agree. It is the most difficult course I have ever been through. I think you were saying earlier that it's like a whole college course wrapped up in a couple of days. Several, yeah. yeah. Kind of just crushed up into two weeks. And um, at the end of it, they, there's, a, there's a field certification process where the DRE candidate has to go through and actually do 12 evaluations on subjects and accurately call uh, which category the subjects or categories the subjects are on. And it has to be backed up by toxicology. And then there's a final knowledge exam at the end of that, which are five tests, and you have to, and they're accumulative to get one to the next. You have to be perfect. You can't make any errors. Only test of its kind. Wow. Really like that. So it's really, it's really unique and very stressful. Um, <laughs> more so than even the post certification of becoming a police officer. <laughs> so uh, everybody's for the most part familiar with uh, officers coming out of the academy being certified in the standardized field sobriety tests. You know, that's your basic three of horizontal gaze and stagmas, the walk and turn, and the one leg stand. Um, kind of the things you'd see on live PD or cops, uh, which typically um, I pick apart the performances, but so I can't really watch those things. <laughs> um, being an instructor in all the disciplines, uh, <laughs> you, you become very attuned to the minute uh, issues within them. But after SFSTs, there's also another program called A-Ride, which is Advanced Roadsides and Impaired Driving Education. And that's the DUI officer's first introduction to those seven drug categories that the DRE works with. And we, we teach the A-Ride officer about things like pupils and what happens with the pupillary response on different substances or different categories. Mm -hmm. um, and they're also taught the additional tests of lack of convergence, Romberg balance, and finger to nose. So essentially, they go from a three-test battery to a six-test battery to further detect impairment. Um, the, the, even the SFSTs, though, they're not just designed only to detect alcohol. They're, they're, they're designed to detect impairment, right. and they make that determination that the driver is impaired. Um, so it's a, it's a very important tool that we use, and half of the people that we put through roadsides aren't arrested for DUI because they, they have the opportunity to show that they're, that they're safe enough to operate a vehicle or, or that they are safe to operate a vehicle. Um, so I, I would... You know, for the public that listens to this, I, I want you to know that if we ask you out on roadsides, it's not because we got you and we're not out to get you. We want to prove you sober. We want to make sure that you're safe. And it's a tool that we use. And I, Renee, you'd, you'd probably definitely agree with this. It's a tool that we use to make sure that people are safe to get home. I mean, you've Absolutely. got precious cargo in there with your loved ones and your friends. And well, we've it's got, not just you as the driver who may right. be driving impaired, but it's all the other cars on the road around you. And everybody else right. around them. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that precious cargo is not just in the car, it's around you. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you, Tommy. So back to back to your question, Renee. Um, we, you get up to a car and you, know, you stop it for a moving violation that would be consistent with somebody that's impaired. There's a lot of things that can distract us in a vehicle. There's... There's tasks that we need to, and our faculties as well, there's tasks that we need to properly uh, operate a vehicle and, and input and data reception, information given, threats down the road of vehicles hitting the brakes, things like that. We have to have that conscious mind and that sober brain 
to properly react and do and provide proper input into our vehicles for safe operation. So, um, you know, when we get up there, you know, there's all kinds of things. It's not just the odor. Yes, the odor is, you know, the odor of an alcoholic beverage, but you could have passengers that have been drinking as well. Uh, you know, so an officer might separate the driver from the occupants just to talk with them and ask them further questions to see if that impairment is coming from them or if it's coming from the occupants. But there's all kinds of things. You know, drugs affect people uh, in many different ways, often in their speech, their balance, their coordination. Uh, had a gentleman last year reach for his own driver's door handle four or five times. Um, he tried to pull up his insurance on his app and put in the wrong uh, PIN number into his insurance app four or five times. Like, how often do you do you do that on a as a sober person? I only just do it one time. I, so it's outside the, no, the the norm. You know, if we're in the business of contacting the public, we have a, a, a baseline fundamental of what a normal interaction with the public is. Mm-hmm. But when things stand outside of that norm, you start asking yourself questions like, why does it take you four or five times to open up your insurance app? <laughs> why can't you find your registration when you know it's in your car? Very simple things. So it's not we're not evaluating tasks that are so complex uh, that it requires a, a PhD to, you know, to understand. This is normal, common sense human behavior and interaction. So if you, I mean, if you're asking simple questions, because for, this might surprise some people, but law enforcement officers are normal people. They're husbands and wives and brothers and sons and fathers and daughters and uncles and aunts and then they come to work and they do this job. They put on a uniform so the public can easily recognize us, but not all officers wear a, a recognizable uniform either. But we come to work and we're just as human as, as the next person. We're people. You know, I, I, I do the work of a state trooper, but I'm a husband first and I'm a dad and I, I want to keep those roads safe for them and for your families and the next person's family. So it's, it's personal, but it's not personal. If that makes sense. It does make sense, yeah. It does. Siri just jumped into our podcast. Thank you, Siri. Is she giving you some information (laughs) on that? She apparently searched the uh, the interwebs for standardized field (laughs) scientific studies. (laughs) Well, there you go. Gotta love technology. You can silence your phones, people, but they're still listening to us. Yeah, that's right. Well, and apparently if you want to know about this stuff on your own and you want to go research it, Go ask Siri. Go ask or, Siri. Hey, or Google. Alexa. Or Alexa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah whatever. I'm are. sure they can all tell you what you want to know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I would also think that, uh, I mean, we're talking about driving impaired. Impairment just isn't isn't uh, just substances, right? It's also, I mean, we're talking about people that have been up all night or if they've been partying all darn day sure. long. And, yeah. Uh, so even in that case, it may not be a, cha- a good idea to get behind Yeah, the I mean, if you're, if you're fatigued and you've been up 24 hours working a double shift or whatever, it, whether there's a substance involved or not, it, that goes back to that very, very initial thing that I said. Be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Like if you're if you're so tired that you're going to fall asleep behind the wheel, stop. Get out. Walk around the car. Go do some push-ups. Whatever, whatever it takes. Go drink some coffee, and then get home safe. If you're so tired, just like we would say in the impaired the impaired conversation, if you're so tired that you need to get a ride, get a ride. That's fine. I mean, so yeah, you're right. And there's you know there's mental impairments as well, and there's um, there, there's things that even the DRE is recognized, able to recognize that delineates the impairment from a substance to a medical condition. Because there are some medical conditions that do mimic 
certain type of drug impairment. Um, so it's a good question that you would ask because you're right. There's many different things that can impair us, and, and that's a fact. I, I, I spent a lot of time driving uh, inter, uh, between states, and right. I've been to that point where mm-hmm. uh, it's just time to get off the road. and yep. Pull off the road, turn on the radio, lean back, take a nap. Yeah. Get out, walk around a bit, then then get back on the road again. And, and now I'm not drifting around my lane. I'm actually driving nice and straight. Because, um, yeah, that that scares me. You know, it's really funny. You'd, you'd say that, pulling over and taking a nap. We uh, we don't waste our money as a state on the, the, the road signs that we put up. We actually tell the public, uh, hey, there's a rest area this far ahead. Like, And if you, I mean, if, and usually they're not that far unless you're driving through Utah or some other state where you're not going to see a town for hours. Sure. I mean, but we're in Colorado, which is right. scenic. It's not flat. Typically, the, the, the drive on our roadways here in Colorado, they're not boring. you got plenty to look at. So It's you've not got like that Kansas ocular. where it's yeah. the same yeah. view yeah. the whole the way. The whole time. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Right. It's, it's like a, a balance in between uh, driving through the Antarctic and Texas. Exactly. Right. So that, that constant stimulation kind of right. helps you out. It sure. does a little bit. But still, if, if that's your norm and you're used to seeing that, it becomes the monotony and then you might find yourself more fatigued. And that's, that's understandable. But absolutely, pull over. Grab a rest area. If uh, an officer knocks on your window and you're in a rest area, it's just because we're just checking on you. You're not in trouble. Take a nap. Sorry, go back to sleep. You're good. You know, and I think one of the big things, too, is that uh, parents who have young drivers in their car, you know, new drivers in their car, um, that's huge because they see what you are doing, you know, uh, where you're driving and you're tired and, you know, you're not doing anything to correct that. You're not stopping to get coffee. Um, and I'm, I'm one who I get on the road and I'm ready to get where I'm going. So if it's a seven hour drive, I say, OK, I'm, I'm going to do it in seven hours. I'm not going to stop. And then when you have kids in the car, you're like, what do you mean you have to stop? We just left the house. So I think it's really good to get in that practice of being that good teacher to those younger uh, kids that you have in that car uh, to show them that yes it is important to to stop and take a break and stretch your legs and you know get something to eat or use the restroom you know just get out of the car well i kind of think that would also kind of be the uh you know you, you want to do the counterintuitive thing well, you, you what you're talking about is you know you, you want to get you want to power through um and when you got your kids or your family in the car, you want to show I'm the strong parent, I'm right. the blah, and you don't yeah. want to pull over because you want to show that you're the one in control. And that's just a mistake. <laughs> Set that example. Get off the road and, and uh, you know, take that rest that you need it. And then your kids see that, you see that and they can start developing that muscle memory before they actually have to get behind the wheel. Absolutely. It's amazing. I mean, whether we, we say it or, or do it, they're watching. They're paying attention. <laughs> oh, yeah. They are. Oh, yeah. We're, we were in traffic. My family and I were in traffic uh, two days ago. And behind me, there was a mother uh, in the the driver's seat and her, I'm guessing, 10 or 11-year-old in the passenger seat in the front. And then there's probably about an 8 or 7-year-old right behind them, kind of just floating around in the middle middle seat in the back. Well, I could clearly see the middle seat guy floating in the back, no seatbelt. Well, I look at the 11-year-old in the front passenger seat, oh, no seatbelt. Where's the example? Mom, also no seatbelt. The kids are watching. If, if you make it a habit from day one right. to put your seatbelt on, it's not going to be a conversation. It's just what we do. It's the norm. Mm-hmm. And if we set that norm and that, that example of getting out, stretching your legs, going to use the restroom, I'm, I'm just like you, Renee. I want to I push that seven-hour drive right. at seven hours. <laughs> I don't want to try to shave off time and get there in six hours and 32 minutes. Uh, no, I'm going to get there in seven hours. But 
we we take on this responsibility of creating these little human beings that are watching us. Right. And they don't have the same drive that we do to make a seven-hour drive in seven hours. So that ends up being a seven-and-a-half-hour drive because you had to stop twice, <laughs> once 15 minutes when you le- after you left your house. When you already asked them, did everybody use the restroom? And they answered yes. <laughs> but, but they're watching. And, and you're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. The kids are watching us. They're, and our, it, this isn't just about the little kids, but it's also our, our new drivers as mm-hmm. well. It's our teenagers that are coming into this new time of their life where they're either they have their permit or they just got their license and they're asking all these questions. A lot of those questions are going to be derived from all the behavior that we, as their example, have displayed in front of them for yep, you're all right. of their life. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That example even stretches into you know the, the, the driving under the influence kind of thing, correct. the driving buzzed. If they see you doing that, they're going to think, well, that might be all right if I drive buzzed. That's and correct. it's not. And so they need to get that example set for them. Over the years in, in some of the, the public speaking engagements that I've had, and I've also shared this in the, the Pikes, Peak Regional DU, Pikes Peak Regional DUI Task Force um, that I'm also the chair of for here in Teller and El Paso, Fremont, Pueblo County. I've had the opportunity to kind of share our family story as far as um, the the tragedy that's come upon us. And in that, I, I've shared my, my mother's story, my family story on that side. And my uncle was killed by a drunk driver um, on his way to his honeymoon just before I was born. And, uh, you know, all my life I was told, oh, you have your Uncle Mike's laugh. You have his mannerisms. You have his sense of humor. And every time, like, one of those – and those were said in a very loving and good way. But every time the family would say that, it, it kind of stung on the inside because I, I didn't get the, the opportunity to meet my uncle mm-hmm. or get to know him because of one person's selfish act. Right. He was killed by a wrong-way DUI drive that had been going the wrong way on I-10 for five miles. And um, that was horrible. But thinking back to some of the stories that my mother would um, – and my uncle was not the drunk driver, just to be clear on this because I'm going to – make a logic leap here. But thinking back to some of the stories from back when my mother was a child and she would remember going on camping trips, driving in the, in the car with her, with her dad, she, she often talks about how she was tossed around back and forth in the car. Cause dad was putting the suds down behind the wheel, mm-hmm. which was the norm back then. Absolutely. And, and now we've, we've come so far, we've been able to educate ourselves first and foremost. Right. We've learned a lot from the mistakes of the past, but some of those mistakes are still occurring today. People are still doing this with their kids in the car today. And you're right. It is a, it's a societal thing. If that's what we're doing today in front of our children, our children are going to do that. Mm-hmm. And we're setting them up for a fatal mistake uh, where they're going to hurt themselves or somebody else. And it's an absolutely selfish behavior that has no business in our society today. We have more volume of cars on our roadways today than we've ever had, ever. Our population is growing, especially here in, in Teller and in El Paso County. Our, our population is through the roof. Our, our towns weren't built to hold the, the amount of commuters that we have. Right. And it's not going to stop. Our, 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 our communities here locally, they're growing, and they're going to continue to grow. They've, we've got projected growth out for, for years, and it's— Yeah, they're talking $3.5 million in Colorado for uh, the next 25 years. Oh, my gosh. Incredible. Quite a bit. It's incredible. But, you know, you bring up a great point because I can remember being a kid. Even my first car, I didn't have um, seatbelts in my car. 
But um, I still remember my son would come home and he would say, you know, he would tell my husband, you know, oh, dad, don't drink and drive. And, you know, don't forget to put your seatbelt on. And, you know, just all the things that they were teaching the kids in school. And, um, and it really resonated with my folks because they grew up in a time when they didn't wear seatbelts. But every time they were in there, my son would say, oh, grandpa, do you hear that bell? You know, ding, ding, ding. You got to put your seatbelt on. Right. You know? <laughs> so and they would because, you know, they wanted to, you know, be a positive role model um, to their grandson. And so I think it's really important that we continue that, um, you know, when you have, you know, nieces and nephews or grandkids, because um, even if you don't have, you know, kids of your own at the ho- at home right now, um, they still look at that. They look at you as one of those people who are a leader uh, in the community and say, oh, you know, they're putting their seatbelt on. I'm going to put my seatbelt on. So I think that's something that we really have to do and just make sure that the young kids, they see, um, you set that example, mm-hmm. and they see that, you know what, they do this, so that's what I'm going to do. Um, but, I, but, you know, I can still remember um, my son being so little and not even be able to reach, and that's all he wanted to do was drive. Yeah. I always wanted to drive. He's <laughs> had the wheel, no keys in the ignition, but he was, like, turning the wheel and stuff because they, they do. They cannot wait to drive. So, And you want it to be a good experience. You don't want it to be a you know, a negative one. So I really appreciate what you said. So that's, that's yeah, really absolutely. kind. It seems that uh, identifying these, these drunk drivers, it's not just the drunk driver out there who needs to stop himself, but if we're out there and we're driving around and we see something as me, I say me as a you know, some Joe civilian, sure. it's my responsibility to contact law enforcement, let them know that there's somebody who appears to be driving impaired. Um, what are the mechanisms? So that's actually that? called report every drunk driver immediately uh the ready and so one of the things anybody can do that you just call you know i would even say call 911 because people will say what do i call the non-urgent line no call 911 uh that way they can get a deputy out there or if it's one of the highways we'll get state patrol um and that way at least you know what the vehicle looks like um if you know which direction they're going and the biggest thing i tell people is try to get some kind of description so that way when they pull that car over especially if it's a group of people was people in the car was it a man was it a woman you know um were they were they tall were they short you know try to have some kind of description and just really quick make that that memory that moment i say just take a picture of it so that way when you call you can say I saw this red car. I don't know what kind it was. It had four doors, four people. There was a man driving. You know, try to have some description, but they're all over the road. You know, they're headed westbound. Um, that way, the deputy, he knows which way to go. He kind of has an idea. So when he pulls over a red car, if there's only two people in there, maybe they drop the people off. I don't know. But try to have something to go by so that deputy will be able to know what car to look for, what vehicle. I think it's important, too, to, that we rely on the public. I mean, Absolutely. It, it genuinely is. We only have so many officers on the road and we can't be every, we're not omnipresent. We can't be everywhere at the same time. We would like to be, to be able to prevent all crime. That's not realistic. That's just not how, it, it's just not. Um, so with that, our public is fully present. You individually are fully present right where you're at. So if you're coming down the highway and the public recognizes that this this driver might be intoxicated or this driver might be falling asleep behind the wheel, both we've already discussed are, are equally dangerous, uh, one in their own regard to the next. But to have the public be able to to recognize and have a tool to call in using a ready report, you know, it, and it's even as simple as dialing 911. The, uh, if, if you're on a state highway, if you dial star 277, which is star CSP, stands for Colorado State Patrol, if uh, 
if you dial star 277 from your phone, it's going to go right to a regional comm center for the state, and a, a trooper will get dispatched. If we're, if we're even close to the area, we will absolutely do everything we can to make sure we make contact with that vehicle and address your concern. Because your concern as the public is our concern. And I think it's not too much to ask our public to be vigilant. We ask you to be v- vigilant individually in your car anyways. So if you see a threat or danger, let, let's put it this way. If you go into the mall and you see a guy with a, a pistol in his hand strolling through the mall, that's not normal. Would you agree? Absolutely. Right? Right. Yeah. So if you saw somebody have a, let's say, open carry, let's put this gun in a holster and they're walking through the mall, that's not as concerning, right? We know that that's legal. It might make you watch. It's kind of like going to the liquor store and buying something to drink and you put it in your car to take it home. It's holstered. It's not It's not out. It's not consumed, right? But if, if that person's walking through the mall with that gun in hand uh, with a certain appearance, we will say, yeah, we would, as a public, we would call 911. So same thing, if we see a threat going down the road, you know, with a 3,500-pound missile going 75 miles an hour or 20 miles an hour below the speed limit or not staying in their lane or nearly colliding into guardrails or your car, please do the same thing you would do in the mall. Give us a call. We will come help you out. We have that ability to do so. If a dispatcher tells you to disengage from a certain behavior with another driver, like a road rage incident, do so. Hit the shoulder. Let them go by. We'll make contact. Do exactly what Renee was talking about. Get a good description of the driver, description of the car, how many doors, what color it was, and most importantly, grab that license plate. Even if it doesn't come back to that car, which people steal license plates, we know, we at least have something on that vehicle that gives us an alphanumeric ability to go after that car. Um, so a great conversation. It really is. And it's so important that we rely on the public as, as our community partners because we're your community service in, in law enforcement. We're here for you, but we also need you as well. So I think it's a great conversation to have. Thank you. Yeah. yeah well, in, in my uh, in my day job, um, one of the things that we do is we try to change the culture for safety and security. Sure. And this is all a culture thing. Um, and you, you had um, – uh, uh, talked about you know the partnership. I think that is the key word right there. It's a partnership between civilians and law enforcement. Absolutely, absolutely, um, it is because you know we're we're an important part of it too. I, we being me, I'm a civilian, so we civilians are an important part of it too. Uh, I actually had an experience with uh, with calling in a, a an impaired driver, um, no license plate, big SUV, beat up thing. Guy was all over the road. I was coming down. It actually came out of uh, one of the side roads coming onto Highway 24. Turned down Highway 24 right behind me, all over the place. Once we got on 24 uh, eastbound, just took off and was still all over the place. So I called it in, no license plate. What I gave him was. Uh, Description of the vehicle, uh, road, direction, and mile marker. Mm-hmm. And um, as, as I'm driving around, uh, off a side road comes one of the, one of Teller County's deputies, uh, right on to 24, and chased that guy down. And I passed him. And when they when he pulled over the vehicle, the, the vehicle apparently didn't just pull over. It turned nose in and went down kind of off the side of the road. That's how impaired the guy was. So. Uh, at least that's what it looked like as I went by. Obviously, it's none of my business to stop and see what's going on. I just that's what I saw when I went by. Uh, but yeah, it it, it it worked. It was effective. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I felt like I did my responsibility for the people around me. And we appreciate that. <laughs> we really do. As opposed to turning a blind eye to it and saying, "Oh, that's just his problem." Yeah. But what if you come into the next intersection? Let's say that guy just took off, you know, crazy amounts of speed, like you, like you had observed, 
And then you come into the next intersection, and you thought about calling it in, but you didn't. And you come into that intersection, and there's a fatal crash on your hands involving that driver because he ran a red light or didn't see the light because of his impairment. I mean, that's that's one of those things that would weigh on uh, me as oh, yeah. a person. Oh, absolutely. You know, at my, my civilian side, my professional side, I'd be like, man, I didn't do uh, my responsibility like you said, Tommy. That did, I mean, ugh, that would just hit right behind the – Right behind the old rib cage, so it's uh, there, there's one other thing that kind of came to mind was you're talking about you know, as you went on by and that it was none of your business thereafter. Um, I would argue that I would actually actually invite you into that conversation. I would actually ask you to stay. Oh, okay. And 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 join me in this. I'm gonna go. To, I'm gonna go contact him. What we ask our our, our drivers that call these in, uh, our dispatchers are really good at this. They're very keen about asking if they're willing, if you guys are willing to sign the report. To sign a report. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would have absolutely been if they'd asked yeah. me to. Which yeah. it sounds like you would have for sure. Um, so we we ask the the public to we'll ask them to pull in behind us. Okay. You know, tell us what vehicle you're driving, so we know what's pulling up behind us, so right. we don't have to worry about that. That we know who you are. You're the person that's calling this in. And we'll come make contact with you when it's safe to do so after we've made that initial contact and determined the situation. And it, oftentimes, I would say about 90% of the time, you know, we're, we're asking the public in, the, in that context to, to write a, a witness report or something mm-hmm. like that, a witness statement. Okay. Defining your observations as well because our observations are important when it comes to taking these things through the court process. But equally important would be your observations as, as well. As opposed to just stating random RP person, random reporting party person stated this and it's just in the call, I got a chance to actually sit down with him and talk with him about what he saw. And uh, so it is. It's it, it's a partnership. Okay. It really is. So I would I would invite the public to, to stay um, and, and just don't be – if you do call somebody in, uh, don't be worried about asking to stay at all. You're not in any kind of trouble for wanting to be a part of this. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, I think looking at the the current state of where we're at as a society right now, what's going on in our country and around the world right now, and we have a holiday coming up tomorrow where everybody's going to be wearing green. 65% of people will wear green tomorrow for fear of being pinched, right? Um, I'm wearing green socks with SpongeBob on them right now as we're on a podcast, <laughs> so I'm grateful that the, the listeners can't see that. Uh, but I definitely wore those on purpose. Anyways, the with tomorrow being St. Patrick's Day, you know it's one of it's the, in the top four holidays of people drinking. It's a drinking holiday. There's one fatality every 36 minutes, statistically speaking, on St. Patrick's Day, according to Insider.com. Um, please, as as we we celebrate this and everybody becomes Irish for a day, which is really really fun, and it's a great holiday, and it's a holiday that's close to my heart as well. One of my one of my dear friends uh, and partner back in 2016, Cody Donahue, the trooper that was killed up on I-25. It was his favorite holiday, and it's we still celebrate it in his honor and think of him on that day because it was his favorite. Um, but we ask that we ask the public to join us in that safety message as well. If you're going to go out and celebrate, do it. Have a good time. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy your friends. Obviously, there's some health concerns right now with the the virus that's going around. So. We, we don't know what that's going to look like as far as in those environments, um, if that's going to keep people home or if they're going to go out. I'll, I'll tell you, yesterday I went to the View House, the new restaurant there in Colorado Springs oh, with yes. my brother and his girlfriend, and uh, we went just to grab some some wings and some tacos. And two minutes after getting there at four in the afternoon after we were done rock climbing, 
a fight broke out right in the middle of the restaurant. And the restaurant was packed. This is a nice restaurant. This isn't a, a dive bar where you expect a fight. <laughs> but my, my brother looks at me and he goes, what are you watching? What are, what's, what's going on back there? I'm like, I'm just waiting to see who's going to throw the first punch. And then it happened a couple seconds later. Uh, so people, I, I bring that up to, to talk about this and that we right now are very stressed out as a society. We're, we're feeling the pressure. We're feeling the danger of this virus. And mm-hmm. it's not stopping a lot of us from going out and stopping life. Life doesn't stop just because we have concerns. No, it doesn't. And I think that when we have this added stress and fear and concerns over, I mean, we have a massive jug of hand sanitizer in between Renee and I on the table right now, you know, just for the safety of, (laughs) you know, the social distancing and shaking hands and don't blow your nose on your friend. Um, It's adding to our already stressful lives. So if you're going to go out and you're going to celebrate and you're going to relax those inhibitions, be aware that we're all under a little bit of stress right now. Have that, like we've already talked about, have that plan in place before you go out. Mm-hmm. If if you're too upset to go hang out in a group of friends or to get behind the wheel, don't get behind the wheel. Don't hang out with friends. Uh, all the streaming networks are still working. Frozen 2 was just released by Disney a little <laughs> bit early for free on Disney+. Plus. Enjoy yourselves. Have a good time. Enjoy your family. and And just go out. If you're going to go out, just do it. Have fun, but have that plan and, and be honest with yourself. If you've, if you've had more than a drink, don't drive. And if, if you've called all the Uber services and Lyft and they're all staying home too and the taxi service is too busy to pick you up, if there's a last-ditch effort and your car's in the parking lot and it's between you driving your car or you calling a public servant like Renee and myself, I would rather come pick you up and take you home then stop you and, and put you in handcuffs and take you to jail. I don't want to do that. I don't want to see that. I do want to keep you safe, though. So for all my officers out there that are listening to this, I'm sorry for saying that, but <laughs> I would rather do that for you as far as our, our, our public because I do want to keep you safe. Right and, right. and I don't want to see people get in trouble, and I don't want to see people get hurt primarily. I really don't. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. you for saying that. Corporal Hazlett, thank you for coming in and talking to us about this. This is really important, especially with St. Patrick's Day coming up. And as always, Deputy Bunting, thank you for being here as you are every week and uh, giving us your perspective as well for the community. Thanks, Tommy. All right. And so that, that'll wrap it up for this podcast. And uh, gosh, what are we doing next? I, not next week. We're not, we don't have anything going on because I'm going to be gone. Well, we're going to be saying goodbye to uh, Chief Rulo, who is leaving uh, Cripple Creek. Cripple He's Creek. retiring uh, later this week. Um, he, he's going to be gone by April, but uh, Bud Bright is going to be the new chief at Cripple Creek PD. So we want to definitely get uh, Bud Bright in here. We're going to try to get tell, him yeah, here to absolutely. open up April absolutely. And, sure. and for the month there. And, and yeah, that, that'd be fantastic. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for listening to this podcast. Take care and stay safe out there. Don't become impaired and drive, whether you're tired or drunk. And, you know, don't do illicit stuff that uh, you shouldn't be doing anyways. So thank you. Thank you. This podcast was made possible by the Teller County Honorary Deputy Sheriff's Association. The HDSA is a nonprofit organization dedicated to increasing public safety and awareness by providing safety and survivability equipment to deputies, administering community events like Shop with a Hero, and enabling information programs like this podcast. 